Hello, one and all. Welcome to another Monday morning cash up. It is 11 28, 2023. Once again, not Monday, Tuesday. Ongoing joke, as you may know. Oh, I'm happy today. I'm very, very, very delighted to say that uh, we've been working on a bunch of new social assets. We got some giveaways that are coming up. I know I keep saying that every week, but you know, this takes time. And it's just wonderful to work in a collaborative environment where we're all just aligned and trying to plan out the future and make all of our channels and community activities exciting. So soon.tm as usual right now, but it will happen. So it'll come. We're we're doing things. We're keeping busy. We're aligning all the guns. Is that okay to say right now as we as things are happening in the world? Anyway. We're, we're all keeping busy and we're doing lovely stuff and it's fun. So, uh, and I had a good Thanksgiving. How was yours? Did you play some games? You did, right? Everybody did. You had to play some little, even if you were with family, you probably stepped away for a little while and you're like, I just can't take these people. I love my family, but because we all have that, right? It's been memed to death. We love our family, but we kind of get annoyed with them too, right? Right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I played a lot. Uh, it was a very, very entertaining time playing lots of uh, management games with my wife and then also uh, some first-person shooters and doing the co-op thing. So lovely, lovely vacation. Staycation here in LA, actually. But anyway, you don't care about my life. You come here right now, these days, to the MMCU for the juicy gaming news, right? You, you love the, the dulcet tones of the ginger community manager, Kyle Stolick, renew the latest updates in the gaming industry. So, since that is obviously why you're here and why you love tuning in, let's head right into it, shall we? So, here's a, one that really um, made me smile today to read. Uh, as you all know, there have been lots of layoffs in the gaming industry. There was some more happening today uh, from the Embracer Group. And uh, it's breaking my heart to see it, to be honest. Um, I feel very fortunate to be here with all of you and to be working on such a cool company that's doing great things and giving back. But, uh, you know, that whole spiel, buy and resell games. Um, uh, This one is a bit of good news. It's uh, Bandai Namco Entertainment invests in more U.S. game startups. And it says uh, it has invested in two additional U.S. game startups, Flickplay and Code Charm, as part of its strategic investment plan. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, I, I could go into the, the why, but it reads like a press release, but, um, yeah, it's just nice to see that even though some are pulling back, others are investing in this space and, uh, providing jobs for lots of people. And hopefully all these products come out and they are the best games that we could possibly imagine, right? We're going to be positive, always positive. Now, second one. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting article, and I was mining it a lot and talking about it with people today. Um, it is... where? I, why can't I read the title? Why is it blocked off? Um, it says, The Long-Term Value Proposition of Web 3 Games. And this one's at uh, Ga- VentureBeat GamesBeat. It says, uh, Surviving the current downturn in Web 3 gaming market is a tough order, and it makes sense to absorb some lessons from veterans in the blockchain gaming market. And one of the things to remember, they said, is that Web3 games have long-term value propositions. 
For instance, they offer the promise that you'll own something and continue to own it thanks to blockchain verification. As we enter a world where, thanks to things like AI, nothing is as real as it seems to be. So this article goes on and talks to people from the space, success stories they've had. It really talks about um, the infancy of the market. Uh, he says, uh, there's one quote in here, after a few years in the Web3 market, Young said he had that the experience is not without its pitfalls, but is a very exciting place to be. Completely agree. Um, it says, where was the other one? We touched on this idea of ownership, and personally, I have become obsessed by that idea, the same person said. It's not just ownership in terms of the economic sense of ownership, like owning an asset. It's the emotional impact that ownership rights have. It fundamentally changes how you engage with something. And as you know, we're built on the blockchain. Uh, we're very much about ownership over here. So a lot of this kind of resonates with what we're building. Um, this is a great... Uh, the writer, Dean Takahashi, really summed it up well here. He says, uh, if a house needs repair as an owner, you do what you can to repair it. Or you build yourself a deck and invite people over to enjoy it. That's a fundamental state change to young uh the person talking um a lot of the times when i talk to people about this and maybe i've said on this podcast before is i i b believe in the right to resell and i think it's uh analogous to the right to repair that's currently going on there's lots of um lawsuits going on with various companies in this space i'm not going to call it any names but you know, uh, you should be able, if you buy something, you should be able to repair it, right? It's yours. You paid money for it. You're not leasing. Why should you have to go to some, someone else to do it? Um, uh, here's more quotes on this one. I'll keep tapping into this one because it's a very, very interesting one. It says, seeing as games are largely an exercise in human psychology, whenever there's an opportunity to change the nature of that, applying psychology, there's an opportunity to better redefine the industry. And engagement is a sort of fundamental fuel of our industry. Um, there's one final quote. Do, do, do. Yes, right here. Um, this is a big quote, so get ready for me. Uh, it says, this is a different person talking that they had on this panel. And the utility that we all build around our digital collectibles allows the actual owner to go in and consume whatever we created. And so it's really important that provenance is there. And provenance happens in the blockchain. And the blockchain is something that is decentralized. It's trustless. So it allows the nodes and all of the people that operate the blockchain around the world constantly as they solve these equations and creative blocks to verify that this is an actual transaction. And it's not just for games. As digital tech gets more real, it will be hard to figure out what's real and what's not, what's fake or fake news. And the only way to know if it's genuine is if we move towards technologies like the blockchain. Um, and then it says too, like uh, he also said that it helps at the top of funnel and the bottom of the funnel for getting users engaged in games over time. And uh, the final one I want to say about this is the Dean wrote, uh, the writer, these are long-term benefits and it's important for developers to look beyond the early days of the technology, which got financialized early and that resulted in scams. And it's and see, it's a way to embrace an open and transparent system for your community. Developers should look for ways the tech tracks what players contribute and how they transform assets in a game that makes the game better. Agreed. If we are not thinking about to, uh, a two-pronged approach with this how do we improve the games and how do we give 
more ownership to people, it's not really worth us doing or even attempting, right? If it's just meant to make more money, not so much interested in that. If we build something that users actually like and engage with, the money will come, right? Hopefully you're all nodding along right now. Um, and then here's uh, here's one quote I wanted to say. Um, I kind of forgot to, but uh, this is the one that really resonates with us over here at Robot Cash being SEC regulated, um, and which is an important part uh, to our business because it kind of gives us that credibility. But it said, William said, it is early in the days of crypto and blockchain, but eventually it will reach hundreds of millions of people, create trillions of dollars in value. It's just not true that this won't be regulated or untouched by laws. It will be regulated and it's going to be critical to comply with the laws around the world. Excellent quote. Completely agree. Um, you know, I know that there are some concerns about how that's regulated. Um, is it going to stifle innovation? Are there going to be bad actors that like to take a, a piece of the, the pie for that regulation? I'm not, excuse me, uh, drinking the tea. Um, I'm not speaking to the, any of that, but I'm speaking of this hopeful world where everybody can win, right? That's what we're all about. Okay, enough of uh, old man Kyle on his soapbox talking about Web3, but I'm very bullish on that. Um, there's a, <laughs> we don't got many news items today. I think it's, uh, everybody was just a food coma after Thanksgiving, so Thanks for tuning in. But here's one that made me laugh today. And the headline at Kotaku is Zelda devs reveal why they made Ganon, quote, robust and sexy in Tears of the Kingdom. And it said, the Dark Lord hit the gym in the Breath of the Wild sequel because Nintendo wanted him to be, quote, unquote, handsome. <laughs> and here's a quote uh, from the developers. <laughs> um, I think we managed to represent this visually as well. The designer didn't simply make him look violent. They managed to fulfill my wish of making him look overwhelmingly evil while also being handsome enough that both women, men and women would fall for him. We put a lot of thought into choosing his clothes and accessories, keeping in mind that Ganondorf himself should have a strong sense of beauty and good taste. We thought he would probably be a character who, who paid a lot of attention to his appearance demonstrating his dignity and intelligence as a king and designing him with that in mind we were meticulous with his face body all the way down to his fingertips making him come off as robust and sexy at the same time you know um if my wife ever explains me to someone i really hope the two words that she uses are robust and sexy <laughs> uh I'm almost 40 and i've never heard that said before but it's, that's an immense way of describing someone, even if it's a fictional character. So, uh, what do you think? Did they achieve that? Kyle, what are you talking about? Zelda. It's not a game that we're offering on the platform. I know this is a gaming podcast, though. This is a gaming podcast. Because Robot Cash, we love games over here, right? You do, too. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Pfft. Look how disordered my notes are. Terrible community manager today. But I wanted to say one thing. Um... So on the website right now, you're going to see a new evolving category. You'll see like action games, new releases, free trials. Uh, we have a special section now dedicated to the fast start technology. And if you don't know what that is, 
uh, go back and listen to the episode where we talk to someone with that technology. But if you don't know, here, I'll give you a brief one. So that allows us to basically get you to play a game as soon as you start hit, as soon as you hit download, really. Um, you don't have to download the entire thing. This type of technology has existed in one form or another for other platforms. Um, I don't know if I can name them, but this is kind of the next innovation of that. Uh, it's fascinating how it works. Uh, it's just basically wizardry to me. I don't understand any of it, but it works. Uh, you can play some large download games immediately. It's it's incredible. And uh, yeah, we're, we're constantly adding new stuff all the time, but we developed a new section just for that. Please check it out. Um, we have some games that are also free trials and fast start. So yeah, zero cost to be able to do that. But yes, so watch, watch this space, so to speak. Okay, uh, let's go into a couple, last one actually, short episode this week. I know, I know. D- don't don't cry. I, we'll spend more time together in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years. You'll you'll hear my voice. We'll talk about the news. We'll talk about things going on. I hear from you. You hear from me. Fun times. <laughs> uh, one more drink of the tea. Okay, so this one is a really cool article at uh, GameDeveloper.com. It says. Uh, how Alan Wake 2's composer crafted the sound of the dark place. And no spoilers here, because I haven't played it yet either. Um, here, this is a bit, let me just read it off. Uh, as someone with a background in audio and who writes, produces, edits, and does all the prep for the interviews here, I love audio. I can nerd out with all this. So if you don't like it, you can end the episode right here. But um, just, you know have an open mind about this a little bit. So here's what it says. I wrote the first tracks for a sequel back a year after the first Alan Wake. I actually forgot a lot of what I had originally written until I went through my backups four years ago when the signs of Alan Wake 2 finally started to appear. Remedy is a studio many in the industry would consider lucky as its ambitions get larger. So do the budgets. In this instance, thanks to the studio's benefactor, Epic Games, who funded Alan Wake 2's development. Yeah, and I know many of you taking a break from the article here, might consider Epic um, a competitor and, you know, why should we talk about them? Uh, that We really have to see all of this as uh, rising tides. When one of the platforms benefits and does something unique, we have to all notice that and, and pat each other on the back and support each other. I think you see a lot of um, developers doing that. There's no reason why the platforms themselves can't do that either. So just little FYI and where we talk about stuff like that. Um, here, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, in the first Alan week, I was using only a string orchestra with an occasional oboe, but here things needed to be very differently. In the sequel, he said the hardest challenge was scoring Alan's mental state. The composer wanted to convey an Alan that had spent 13 years in the dark place, the ways that had altered his mind. And defi- here's, here's the, the cool part. In defining the sonic identity of the Dark Place, Alonco Lenko, used brass instruments and altered their natural sounds. How would instruments like the how would instruments sound like if they were played underwater was a question he asked himself. And then here's there's a really cool piece. Um, to create the more de- demonic sounds of Alan Wake 2, he built a device from a 1950s enamel washbowl to process the brass through. And he says, I attach 
piezos and contact mics, mics to it and fed sounds through it. I made a set of impulse responses from it, which I then used in every single possible convolution plugin I could possibly get my hands on. And then he says, uh, you also use an instrument with a name straight out of an Alan Wake novel, the Apprehension Engine, and the Mega Marvin. The former is a large stringed instrument that Alenko calls a beautiful wooden beast. It was created to make sounds for horror movies. Alenko spent hours trying to get the most appropriately murderous samples from the device. Uh, after this, if that sounds interesting, you should go and check out a lot of the um, documentaries that are done about uh, sound designers and musicians in the gaming industry. Uh, I've had the luxury and luck to work with them in different capacities at various times. And uh, they're some of the most creative, energetic, uh, inspiring people that you will find in the gaming industry. And uh, what a delight it is to see them kind of in their environment, you know, playing around with this type of stuff. And it's it might seem kind of silly at first about them just kind of breaking celery or stuff like that but um it's pretty cool it's pretty inspiring so anyway that's the podcast uh i want to say thank you to fan jam this week uh for some of the things that you've been calling out in our discord uh about the profiles being a little um not exactly where they need to be requesting a roadmap things like that uh as always i i know a lot of you like to dm me these days about this stuff um but thank you very much for publicly saying this as always uh it's just great to have a community that's collaborative and that's uh, looking to, you know, uh, help us out and let us know when things are a little busted and broken. We're a small team here. Um, we're trying to do big things with the small team that we have and, uh, you know, make good on the investment that so many have put forth for us. So, yeah, I mean, we could hire up, you know, 50 to 100 people, but we may not be the best use of our funds. So we're trying to pick our battles wisely. Thank you very much for being patient with us while some things may not work as they, as you believe them to be or as intended. So thanks again, as always, but oh, it is a nice day in LA. I think I might go for a walk a little bit today. How about you? Can you go for a walk where you're at? Are you in the snowy area? Uh, I think in San Diego, it's always perfect at where the mothership is. But here I'm in LA, alone, away from the team, talking into a microphone, going insane. <laughs> now I got the gym to keep me sane. But thanks, everyone. Uh, interviews will be starting soon. I'm trying to get them a new plan for that finalized before the end of the year. Um, I got a. The, the Josh Barnett one, I, I say it every week, but I, I really hope you guys like that. And I hope. I really hope you want more of those because it was an absolute delight recording it. So, all right. Well, <laughs> that's it. I will talk to you all later. Thank you so much for tuning in. See ya.